Welcome to Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Here is your host, David Ponraj, founder and CEO of Economic Impact Catalyst. Well, Kristen Thomas, welcome to Breaking Down Barriers. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. You have such a wonderful space, and we're going to try and get some shots to share with our listeners. But uh, this is a beautiful center. Tell us the origin story for DCVC and tell us what it stands for. <laughs> okay, DCVC um, actually stands for Dallas College Venture Club. And um, the full story of, of why it started, and at first we were calling it an assessment center <laughs> because it was one of those things where you knew that there was, we knew that there was a gap in, in Bill J. Priest. And Bill J. Priest is, is the, the building where this center is at. And we knew that there was a gap because we have many, many different programs that support small businesses, but there was a lack of awareness or programs that could support early start um, businesses particularly in this vicinity that just didn't know what they didn't know and, and needed help. But there was not a, a specific program that they could go to. And if they did go to some of the programs, then they didn't have a place to say, hey, you need, you need to start here. So the assessment center was really developed six years ago in theory, and it took us I would say three years to find a funder to actually commit. Actually, it's more than that. I'm, I'm aging myself. But it was, it was a long time ago. And um, in 2019, actually, um, we were funded uh, because there was an organization um, that was truly aware, and we're doing some monumental things of bringing a collaborative effort together, more on the stance of real estate um, and uh, Dallas College and Lift Fund in really impacting communities. So that effort started and launched in 2019, and it's been three years of really um, going through some of the biggest challenges that, you know, our society has gone through um, from, you know, a pandemic to weather to every, you know, supply chain short shortages. You're, you're experiencing it with the communities, um, and that, that give, it gives you a deeper commitment to what's going on. For those of you who don't know about Dallas County and the Bill J. Priest Center, I just want to add some color. This is in one of the most uh, impacted communities, zip codes mm -hmm. in Dallas first. So it's, you know, uh, a sense of place yeah. in their community. And second, we go to a lot of co-working spaces around the country. You've all done it so well, <laughs> right? Not saying, well, we need a space or so we built a space. More very intentionally about what do we want our space to look like? What do we want it to represent? So when people of color come in here or entrepreneurs come in here, they relate to this space. Can you talk to us a little bit about that intentionality around how you built this space? So um, when we first started off, our idea, our vision was to have a fully-fledged co-working center. And if you look at co-working centers today, 
they're all very clean and pristine and perfect and have, you know, the upscale coffee machine and the upscale <laughs> this. And, and throughout time, we, we realize that really that's not our audience. That's not who we're serving. It's not who is going to be connected into this space. And so we had to really kind of move through it <laughs> and experience it to understand the type of center that needed to be created. And so it was three years of experience of launching something, trying something, does this work, hearing, um, and then iterating to where it was inviting the community in. So I wouldn't say that we had this vision in the very beginning, because we didn't. In fact, this, this room that we're in right now used to be a storage um, room. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it had all this technology, VHS, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, which really kind of dates us. And, <laughs> but it, it had all this technology and equipment in there, and, and we just said, what if? Um, and really, a lot of people were saying, we should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. And I was like, no, we're not going to do a podcast. We're not going to do a podcast. It's too big. And then here we are <laughs> in the DCDC podcast. That's amazing. Uh, I'm going to let you catch your breath. And the next question is going to be around your personal origin story. Uh, but I'm going to welcome Evan Adams, our senior director for data science, to the conversation. He's joining us as a guest today. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so, so tell us. What is your origin story, or in other words, what motivates you to wake up every morning and do this incredibly hard work that can be long, frustrating, sometimes hard to see impact? What motivates you to do this work? Well, I, first, I grew up. Um, I grew up in a, a family of small business owners. I don't talk about a lot. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> but I grew up with my dad having a small business and actually you know that small business was what kept our family food on the table um, and I was a part of understanding that business and how it was set up um, and he's an artist and so he had a passion for art but also you know the reality of being uh, a family uh, a father that provided um, and then you know, it's a long line of other business owners, whether it's, you know, on my uncle and they created American Vault, which American Vault created safes for banks. And, and they were the leading um, bank safe creator in, in the United States for quite some time. And so you see all the welding and everything that happens with that. Um, but throughout that time period, you, you gravitate to those things that you see true impact. And it may be at a very small, minuscule size, but you see the life-changing uh, effect that it has on someone, and that's addicting, right? Um, I've, I've been with some of the programs that I've done for, uh, I've done those eight, nine years, um, and you just see a new level of impact each time, and then you realize this is much bigger than, than me. It's, 
much bigger than anything I would have wanted. Um, it's 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 making a huge economic impact and changing someone's life um, for the greater good, and that that's huge. That comes back tenfold. Mm -hmm. That makes you sleep well at night, knowing that you are really working to achieve something. Um, you know, n maybe it's not earning uh, the highest revenue or, or whatnot, but you're, you're truly impacting a community. Wow, that's amazing. Something much greater than yourself that uh, is tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about those programs. Uh, I know you're doing the Golden, Goldman Sachs 10,000 small mm -hmm. businesses. You've got the Community Navigator program. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got these other programs. Talk to us about programming at the center and why these programs are actually breaking down barriers for businesses in this community. Sure. Um, in the beginning, we, well, in the beginning, we started with the North Texas SBDC, and it wasn't um, until years later when when the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program was here in Dallas, and that program has been tremendous and successful. And, and you see through its efforts and what it's leading to and the whole effort of what it's doing across the country, and that's, that's huge. When you see that, you know, literally across the country, there's probably over close to 160 people that work within community colleges to serve um, and, and help small businesses get the education that they need. So it is bringing those tools and resources. When you see that level of impact and when you, when you see what it's doing within the community, then you realize that there's also another community that needs to be served too. And so working with the Dallas Collaborative of Equitable Development, uh, Trek Community Investors, and, and Lift Fund and, and Dallas College, we work to bring workforce training and small business training um, and this center for you know the better part of the pandemic and yes it is a labor of love and yes there were lots of setbacks um, but through the setbacks you also stand up and realize at the end of the day I didn't leave we didn't leave Dallas College didn't leave we continued we persevered we stayed and we made an impact and when you see that, then you're starting to make sure that there isn't, there isn't a level of someone being forgotten, that we're actually covering all of it. So we, we led on an effort to not only bring in the Community Navigator Program, but also startup, um, not startup, well, we did bring in startup space, but Start, Pivot, Grow, which is another accelerator program that was uh, concentrated on high growth. And, and then now it is concentrating on micro. And, you know, we bring in specific companies that we have been working with. Integrality is one of them um, that is doing the Start, Pivot, Grow. And we're seeing that some of the individuals that are in the communities that were connected to this center um, you know, she went through that program. Not only did she go through Dallas College programming, she with Pepsi, PepsiCo and other programming initiatives, 
Um, she also pitched and won $10,000. That kind of impact on a small business that is, or a startup that is just getting to the next level is huge. So bringing in a lot of these programs was our key goal. The, the uh, most recent program is Cultivate Small Business, really focusing on those restaurant businesses, um, the food industry, and, and really helping them throughout the process because our restaurant industry has taken a huge hit, a huge hit. We've seen, I see so many of the restaurants that I loved, <laughs> um, but you also see some very innovative things that are happening throughout these industries that have really uh, taken a, a major hit. Wow. Can you tell us a few stories? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say success because success is relative in this space. <laughs> yeah. But can you tell us some of the businesses that have been remarkable that you've helped through these programs? Yeah, um, uh, Mo's Delights, uh, Monisha Clifton is the individual that I was just speaking about that won the $10,000. Um, there's, there's a lot of businesses that have gone through that were impacting. Um, speedy, uh, it is Sweetie Speedy. Sweetie Speedy. That's, <laughs> Sweetie Speedy. That's a memorable name. How can you yeah. forget that, right? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, when you're talking about um, Sweetie Speedy and you're seeing their confidence level grow and in each and every moment, those are some of the most meaningful successes. But even the success of you see those business owners so happy that they're coming back. Right? There's still more that they want. There's still learning that they need. And, and that's when you start to look for, okay, what are the other resources? We don't have them now. But what are the other resources that we can pull together as Dallas College to invest in communities that need our assistance? That's remarkable. I'm going to go a little bit more technical now and ask you, what is it unique about Dallas county that makes it really challenging for some of the work you're doing, right? There's uh, clearly a diverse a diversity issue, right? Yeah. But what is unique that you've learned over the course of the last few years that you can shed light on uh, around what's the, what are the unique challenges of the Dallas ecosystem? Well, you know, I think location is, um, is a big, you know, challenge. Uh, Dallas College, though, is really positioned to where it, it serves all of Dallas County. And because we are in, in, at one college, we have many different campuses and locations throughout the county. Um, and is um, second in leading uh, for community colleges across the country. So when you start to look at that, when you start to see the impact of what we can do as a college, when you're looking at Dallas County, not all the resources are equal, okay? And so when you're looking at resources not always being equal, um, then you're looking at certain limitations and barriers that exist, whether it be transportation or childcare or um, food deserts. These are real. They impact um, 
you know, many, many individuals. And really that's when you're starting to look at how can we provide as much as possible to all of the county. And, and that's when you realize, ooh, we can't do this alone. Um, and so collaboration has been a huge, huge piece to the efforts of what we have, you know, pushed to do. Uh, Dallas College is probably, I wouldn't say we're, we're known as that small business resource, but we have a lot of resources when you're talking about the North Texas SBDC or the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. There are some strong anchor programs, and we do have a lot of space. <laughs> yeah. And you've got other assets, too, yeah. uh, right? Like the digital assets and things huge, like that that, that others don't have. So let's go a little bit deeper into this conversation because uh, we work in a lot of communities, over 100 communities across the U.S. We get to see how communities collaborate. So when you talk about collaboration, the the nature of business support organizations, what we call BSOs, is siloing because of the way funds are handed down, the way you know a lot of these are seen very competitive, right? Dallas College being in the unique position that you're in, you have got the space, you've got the technology, you've got uh, the programs like the SBDC programs. How do you, what is your role as the convener of the ecosystem? How do you break down these silos? How do you tell the other business support organizations that actually collaboration is better because the rising tide truly lifts all boats? Because there is a lot of suspicion by yeah. nature of this work. It's, right. a, it's hard work too. The uh, work is also very hard. It is, it is. But y you have to also be very transparent and you have to be communicative. And, and really you have to look at it from there's no, there's no gain for you or me or it is a, a shared responsibility that we come together. So literally, there is no way one organization can do everything. Yeah. There just isn't. That's unrealistic, and, and you're going you're gonna to wear yourself out. So it, I would rather look at it as how we can come together as, as those organizations that support small businesses pulling together all the resources, working together, and leveraging each other's strengths and successes. And then realizing it's not about one organization, it's about the individuals that we're impacting. Yep, and it's not about the organization, it's about the small business. Right? Absolutely. Yep, yep. but it's, hard, it's a hard message, and I'm, I'm glad you said it that way because there isn't an easy answer anywhere in the country. No. Right? <laughs> because we are working with limited assets and unlimited needs as a community, as, uh, as just people supporting entrepreneurship, as entrepreneurs themselves have unlimited needs. Right. Uh, right? And there's only limited time and there's only limited resources and you can easily get burnt out. I'll tell you a statistic and I won't scare you with this because you're pretty tough, but in our line of work, the average lifespan of an executive director of our center is about 18 months. 
<laughs> As in, when we sign a contract, on average, we know we've got 18 months left with them. And when somebody crosses that threshold, we talk, tell ourselves, wow, this person stayed longer than they could have in that role. It's because of that work, this yeah. extreme burnout, right? Is. Everybody is doing Herculean tasks. They are single-handedly trying to transform communities. Right. And what you said, the way to do it, uh, the long haul, I think there's like a Chinese quote, you know, if you want to walk 10 steps, walk alone. If you want to walk 10,000 miles, we got to walk together kind of right. a thing, right? Right. Uh, and we'll find that quote and put it in the show notes. But <laughs> the sentiment, <laughs> the sentiment is, is spot on. Uh, so let's, let's switch topics a little bit. So you've got all of this programming. You've kind of made it through the pandemic. Where is Dallas College headed? What is, you know, three years from now, if we're sitting here, what's your vision? What, what should it look like? Well, Dallas College. Um, and, and DCVC, uh, more specifically. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me look at it from that lens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for DCVC, we don't want to stop just here, right? This was our prototype. This was our understanding of, hey, here's, here's a space. It's really kind of limited on, you know, freedom of what we can do, but we're going to maximize this to the best of our ability. And this space is so completely different than any other space that there is an attraction to it. Well, it, you automatically know. And there was one conference that I went to, and, and I was listening to how they um, developed this center. It's Lassonde mm -hmm. um, in Utah. Mm -hmm. And they developed this center, and they built it in the brand spanking in the center of the campus. And it was completely different. It was not like any of the architecture. It was designed differently. And it was, it was actually led by um, student entrepreneurs. And then you start, started to see the level of growth and development that those entrepreneurs started taking on projects and creating new projects. And it tripled in a matter of one year. Then it tripled again. So it became so attractive that it started to pull in faculty. And it started to pull in because they wanted to be a part of that space, right? And, but it was completely led by them. Yeah. It was both the masters and the undergrad. And so with that, that mindset, when you think of Dallas College and when you think of all the campuses that we have and all the, you know, satellite locations, boy, there's a whole lot of magnetism that we can create in communities that will pull community in and pull the students in mm -hmm. to where the, the faculty just want to be there. Yeah. And it, it, it really is starting to, well, what I envision is it doesn't stop here. It won't stop here. Yeah. It will continue to grow and leverage and impact. And in any community, in any campus, in any center, what will it look like there? It's not going to look like this one. It's not going to have a podcasting. Uh, but it may have something completely different that, we've 
that the campus needs and the community needs, right? It could have a commercial kitchen. It, or, it could. <laughs> yeah. It could. Yeah. There yeah. are so many different ways that we can go with it that it start. you start to see, okay, what are the barriers? What are the challenges? What do we need to provide? And how can we pull people in? By leveraging that with our center, we were able to actually leverage those virtual platforms, such as Startup Space, and, and look at how we can map that out and really grow that within Dallas County. Yep. So I'll give you uh, a pause to think about, because you're launching this podcast studio, I'm going to give you a chance to kind of try your questioning skills by asking me a question. <laughs> I'll pause there and give Evan a chance because he's seen the space and Evan's pretty artistic himself. So kind of wanted to see his feedback on the space. So Evan, you've okay. been through this space, you know, and I saw, you know, all the different uh, AR technology that's yeah. put into the space where you can actually turn on your phone and have a digital experience. Like what's your uh, kind of your... Uh, experience walking through the DCVC space here? My experience, I really did like the way that a lot of the artwork was really interactive. Um, there was that corner that you showed us where you look at it from a certain perspective. I think it was the messaging is differently or it finishes up. It's like mm -hmm. a space. The corner was a space. So it was mm -hmm. like one word here and two words here. Um, so that jumps out to me. The other thing that jumps out to me is and that the whole place is, it's like an artistic amalgam of all the different people that you're working with. You kept pointing out, like, these people provided this, and these desks are from here, and these the pillows that you mentioned from the pillows up <laughs> are from here, from this part of our journey. So it just depends on where, you know, which part of the building you're looking at, but there's some story that's buried there, depending on where it is. Oh, there are stories. Mm -hmm. There's a you, lot of stories. You were a raconteur. <laughs> you were telling us all the stories. <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah. It usually me failing at something. <laughs> and you turned it failing. into a success. You basically <laughs> looked at it and said, okay, this is not working. Okay, we'll look at it like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so, so what this question do you have for us as we kind of set you up for your own podcast? So, you know, I'm going to go with Beatles or Stones. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So, my favorite is Beatles. Yeah. Uh, what about yours? <laughs> I'm actually... A Beatles fan. Why? No. <laughs> okay, I'm not, no, no, yes, no, no. Okay, so so my story, like I shared before, is we were in a touring band and we played the Beatles. Yes. <laughs> Was that yours too? No. Oh, okay. No, no. But you actually, tell me, you know, what did you look like back then? Oh my goodness. Uh, it's, yeah, hard to picture, but I had like, you know, hair, probably as long as your hair, <laughs> and, which is like shoulder length, and uh, uh, had my ears pierced. I was in the college rock band. <laughs> you had to have that look. And this was now in 2000, 2001, when, you know, heavy metal, like we would be like, for heavy metal cover bands, we'd be like the opening act, and there'd be people show up after That's us, like year. Metallica and Pink Floyd and things like that. Uh, and so I had, I had an electric guitar too, but given the times, I actually designed it after Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. He's left-handed, but I'm right-handed. So I played uh, a left-handed design guitar flipped over with the strings done incorrectly. And wow. I played that to kind of show respect to my, uh, my idol. <laughs> that was John, 20 years John ago. John Lennon is left-handed. Yeah, so yeah, but I was right-handed. So I built a left-handed guitar, flipped it. So all of my uh, tuning struts are on the top, was on the bottom, things like that. So. Can I tell you a story about that? Yes. Paul McCartney, I heard the story Paul McCartney told where he was playing a guitar and he was playing it left-handed. Somebody said, 
I'm sorry, but I know you're right-handed. How did you, and he said, John was left-handed and he'd have, he'd have killed me if I restrung his guitar, so I learned to play it left-handed. There you go, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because crazy? the strings have to be done exactly the opposite right. in right and left, so. There's my story <laughs> why I like the Beatles. And yeah, you know, um, grew up. And to this day, if I need like a pick me up, it's the Beatles. So everyone out there, you all know, picture David <laughs> with long hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what I was thinking, but I was also 19. So <laughs> my parents actually accepted me. Uh, yeah. For who I was. Nice. They didn't say a word. Okay. They were like, okay, there's this chapter. Yeah, exactly. That's probably what they were thinking. Let's we'll see how long he stays this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but the first interview I had to go for, I, I cut my hair. Okay. Yeah. And the first interview was actually me going to the visa office to get a visa to come to the U.S. So <laughs> they wouldn't have let me in. <laughs> so uh, I would have never be sitting here. We wouldn't have had this chance. Um, so let me ask you uh, two more questions. One, if you had to do this all over again, like, what, what, what are some lessons learned in this journey, not just for DCVC, but your work supporting entrepreneurs? If you had to go back, is it something you would have retooled, something you, you know, uh, a collaborative effort you'd have done differently? What, what is about this work that you only learn on the job that you can share with us? Um, you know, I always look at it from, I work with so many entrepreneurs or we support so many entrepreneurs and you, you always have this little love that you want to be an entrepreneur. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where there's a lot of entrepreneurs and work to support them. So, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, God, you've been, you see it, you experience it, you know the risk, you know the, the challenges, and you, you see a lot of it. You kind of want to go and do it yourself. Um, but then, you know, then it, then who would do this? <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, yeah. I'm sure there's, everybody is replaceable, but it's one of those things where once you find something that you're committed to, um, it's really hard to leave. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to leave. When, when do you start seeing success? How long do you have to be in a role to really start seeing the impact of your work? in entrepreneurship? I don't know that I ever will. Well, it's one of those things when where When you it see that, that, that business owner, you see like, you know. Well, yeah, when the business owners are like yeah. all glowing and they, you know, one of the business owners in one of the communities that we were working with, with, you know, DSA, Dallas Collaborative of Equitable Development, one of those business owners, he just needed some mentoring and some coaching, which is all that we could do during the pandemic. And, and with that, he was able to get a $60,000 contract. When you know that you're affecting the bottom line by providing a resource that will help, that's, those are successes. So there have been many, many, many different successes. Um, but there's always many, many more that can be taken yeah. on. Yes. And without somebody like you in this role, you know, uh, I don't think there'd be the kind of impact that you've had. And I know you said nobody's irreplaceable, but I think you've been able to kind of create a model where a lot of the community uh, are able to come in, go through these programs and get their businesses off the ground. Well, I, I think when you look at all the organizations, there are many um, 
and when you look at the the people here at Dallas College, there's a lot of people who are committed to supporting entrepreneurship and small businesses in many ways. And so um, it's not just through the programming that's with DCDC. It goes well beyond um, when you're looking at you know, whether it's skills development, or whether it's other types of resources and advising. So they're all there. They're all very committed and, and a part of it. So I am one, but there are many. Yeah. Last question. If somebody wants to come and access this space, yeah. how do they access this space if they want to connect with you to learn about how do you build from the pillows up? How do they connect with you? Uh, because you've done a remarkable job here. And uh, I know a lot of our communities are starting to get this sense of place, which is what you've created here, right? Creating that pivot point in the community that has a physical space that allows people to come and collaborate in. Tell us how they can reach out to you, how they can be a part of this work. Well, of course, we have our DCVC email, which is dcvc at uh, dallascollege.edu. Okay. dallascollege.edu. I will have that in the show notes. People can click from there, too. Exactly. And so that email is there, um, and the whole team will be connected to that. With that, um, we are continuing to work on... Um, building the website and building everything. Mm. That's like phase two um, <laughs> yeah. or three. Um, but we will continue to work on all of those pieces. But that's the first way for contacting us. And we have a support team that can actually, you know, um, book a tour and do the things necessary. Now, of course, you will, once once you become a member, you will have access to startup space yep. and we'll be able to book a tour or... Do whatever you would like to do within the space. Awesome. And if they want to get in touch with you? So for me... Um, LinkedIn or... Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You yeah. can find me, Kristen Thomas, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. And we'll post some pictures as well of the space along with the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Special thanks to our renowned guests for joining us. You can find show notes, more episodes, send us ideas, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, economicimpactcatalyst.com. Breaking Down Barriers is a presentation of Economic Impact Catalyst and is edited by Lauren Bernard. Please rate review, and subscribe to Breaking Down Barriers, available for free wherever you listen to your podcasts.